Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. My heart and my desire is that God would use these conversations to help you grow in your faith, grow in your relationship that you have with the Lord. And we get to lean into conversations that get messy, conversations that really have multiple facets of challenges and tensions and storms that we face in life. And I love these conversations because I feel like these are the catalytic conversations that truly help us experience this vibrant life, this beautiful, abundant life that Jesus wants for you and he wants for me. So wherever you are right now, I pray that you would just open up your heart, open up your mind, and that we get to kind of lean in a little bit to this conversation and say, Lord, what are you teaching me? Lord, what do you want to show me through this conversation? Because at the end of the day, one of the things that I love to come back to this truth, God is our good, good Father, and he is faithful, and he is so good to us. And yet here's the reality and here's the truth. We've already faced so many storms, and we will continue to walk into and face so many more storms. And yet in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the wounds, in the midst of the trials, how do we still see God's goodness? How do we still see his faithfulness? I've got the perfect guest to have this conversation today with an amazing last name. I just love it so much. I've got Patty Pakoulis on radio today with me. And she just has a beautiful heart for her kids, a beautiful heart for the Lord. And what God continues to do in her story and in her life, I say, you know what, Patty, why don't you come in and why don't we share your story? So, Patty, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mark. It's good to have you in. Yeah. And I just, I don't even want to give away too much in your bio because I want the listeners to hear from your beautiful heart a bit of your story, and a bit of Peter's diagnosis. Let's start there, if you're okay with that. Yeah, you bet. Okay. Um, So my husband's Peter um, Pakoulis, and uh, in October of 2007, uh, he was a chiropractor, physical therapist. We owned our own practice. Um, We're raising three children, and um, he's one of the most healthy guys you can imagine. Um, and he had a mass on the um, back of his torso that ended up being diagnosed as cancer. It was a liposarcoma. And um, the first time you actually hear those words, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a stunning moment where, you know, nobody ever wants to hear that word in their lives ever. And, um, and I remember when he shared that it was cancer, you know, just sitting for a moment, both of us, and and, and actually we were just really quiet. And I remember my first thoughts. Of course, I have two daughters. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, your mind races. It's a surreal moment. And my first thought is, if this happens, you know, who's going to walk my daughter down the aisles? Like that first moment of, reality and um and anyway and then you push those thoughts away and and then you run (laughs) you run to the lord and and that's what i had to do um 
And in the beginning, there was a moment where I really feel like God just gave me something to hold on to. I was on staff as a, an assistant worship leader at a church in Chandler, and we were just about to go into a staff meeting, and we had done our daily devotionals, and it was um, from Mark uh, chapter 5. It was when... Um, Jesus was in the synagogue preaching and um, some of the leaders of a home came running in and saying, your daughter has died. And they're, they're just sad. And, 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 and Jesus just looks at him and says, do not fear, only believe. And I'm telling you in that moment, it's as if the Lord just anchored my soul to faith and to hope and it was almost, it, it almost felt like a command. I mean, do not fear is, it's not, um, he's not asking you, he's telling you. And it settled me in a way that was profound. It was this anchor that I just grabbed a hold of. And I sort of felt like, okay, then, then in a way, Lord, those are my marching orders from this point forward. I, you know, and, and not to say you're not going to wrestle with legitimate fear, but what I almost feel like is the Lord just meant, don't let it grip you. Don't let it paralyze you. Don't let it, you know, it, it, fear can do so much only believe. And, and, and that was how I sort of just grabbed that moment and decided to hold on to that verse. In fact, that word really became, um, a theme for our family, my kids and we used to spell it. I mean, obviously, we were believing for life and, and that the Lord would heal Peter. Um, and we spelled it with a small B and a small E. And then L and I were capitalized. The E was small and the V and E were capitalized. And we used to spell it in a specific way. And I just held on to that uh, from the very beginning um, and kind of just fought for that to the very end. Mm. And I can only... I mean, partially imagine because, again, it, it's so hard to really fully understand just the crushing devastation that you just described. But as a dad with two daughters, and for my wife, I'm sure that's probably one of the first thoughts she would have is start thinking through the possible realities of, of not having her husband walk the two daughters down the aisle mm -hmm. and then from there to really begin to open up your heart and your mind and for God to give you this passage in Mark 5 and give you this passage and understanding to really be commanded not to fear but to believe and to really be the anchor mm -hmm. that God gives you and to be the anthem that he gave your family. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an anthem that he gives every family mm -hmm. because all of our storms are different, but we all have storms and we all will continue to have storms. And that's why the Holy Spirit in the understanding of John 14 really has this promise that the Holy Spirit was sent to us to be a comforter mm -hmm. because we would need to be comforted throughout the storms of life. So, I can only imagine, and I want you to kind of transition, but I can only imagine that you really are asking God, as I would be and all of us right now listening in would be asking God, why God? Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, and that's a great question. Um, it, interestingly, I, 
I have a lot to say about that. Um, you know, Peter was diagnosed with one cancer, and we got through it. And then he was diagnosed with a second cancer, completely different, completely unrelated. And, and when you think you had the victory and you're believing and you're walking and then boom, within a month, he has a second cancer. And even then, Lord, am I still to believe? And the answer was yes. So I'm continuing to move forward, continuing to walk forward. And this cancer was much more serious, much more um, invasive. And we get through that and we think we're good. God is good. We fought, we believe the Lord came through and, and met us. And then on his birthday, Peter gets a third phone call that he didn't tell anybody. He didn't share it with me. Um, we were rejoicing because he had a birthday because we'd just gone through two different types of cancer. And he gets a call saying that the cancer had actually metastasized to his liver. And on that night, um, interestingly, I had given him a, a, a gift. And, and all I remember is thinking, oh, my gosh, I think he would love to read this gift. It's a book. And I look back and think, how and why did I give him this book? But I also know it was completely the Holy Spirit. And the book was called Heaven. And it was by Randy Elkhorn. And it is probably the most comprehensive books really written from a biblical perspective on the realities of heaven. We all imagine it in our own starry-eyed way. But the Bible, and the Bible doesn't give us all the details, but... Um, this book was something he devoured for the the last two months of his life and shared it with my children. And and what ended up having happening is on a, August 28th, the Lord went to be, uh, P Peter was called home to be with the Lord. And we thought, we thought we had gotten through. We thought the Lord had brought the healing that we so desperately fought for and prayed for. And, and what ended up happening was, no, the Lord called him home. And so the question of why, and I know I took a little bit of time to get to that, but um, everyone always wants to know that question. And for me, it's an interesting thing because I had given my heart to Jesus in 1985. I had responded wholeheartedly. I had walked with the Lord for 25 years. I had watched him transform my life. I had um, watched him bring me a husband. I had actually had a diagnosis of melanoma in 2004. I had watched him walk me through that. Um, my son, when he was born, he had Apgars of three and three. And, and so all that to say, I had walked with him for 25 years. So when Peter took that final breath and was home, I had a ton of emotions, but I can honestly say that I didn't have to wrestle with why. And here's the reason. I just knew God enough. I'd walked with him for 25 years, and I think my heart and soul made a decision. I trust him. I just trust him. And, and I have a job to do. Like, I could wrestle with that for the next 10 years, or I could feel what I'm feeling and process my pain as best I can, but also just trust him and know that for some reason, God is sovereign 
And so that was something I didn't have to do. And sometimes I wonder if there's going to be a point in my life where I finally get mad and just say, why, God? But I haven't. I, I trusted him in, in a way that was profound. And and I, I do have something that I think I asked the Lord that was really um, significant. And it was um, something that I said, Lord, you know, Peter, as I watch him, he's in so much pain. How is it you're allowing him to do this? It's it's difficult. And what what he said to me, I, I and this was a journal entry, is I watch Peter. I love this man. I feel sorrow for what he's had to endure. And God just, in a way, he reminds me we're a living sacrifice. And the, if you'd have known Peter and the way he walked it out, the faithfulness he demonstrated, two years of chemo, two years of radiation, self-employed, didn't take a day off, kept working, kept being faithful to the Lord. Like he walked it out in a way that was so gracious and so amazing. And God said, you know, we're living sacrifices. And, and then I said to him, I said, um, if my children lose their father, Lord, their hearts are going to be pierced forever. And you know, his response was, I understand my son was pierced too. And it was like, it's this moment of realizing, you know, we don't always get the best answers. We don't always get the perfect outcome. We don't always get the healing that we're hoping and praying and believing for. But I realize God says, you know, we don't have perfect lives here. I don't promise a perfect life. I promise eternal life, but I don't promise a perfect life. And and that is when, like, his grace becomes sufficient in what we walk out, um, demonstrating faith in the midst of loss, like I kind of just knew that was my mission at this point is Peter just handed me a baton. And I thought I could ask why for the next 10 years, but I don't have time. I've got a job to do. I've got three kids and I want them to still believe that life is good and that God is still good. And how do I, how do I walk that out? You know, there's so much in that, that truly my heart connects to the story because it connects to God's truth mm-hmm. and the promises that he's made to us all. Mm-hmm. And these promises, like we said even earlier, this this fear not, and you think about how many times it says fear not. I think it's like 365 mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So there's one per day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we need to hear it a lot, <laughs> right? <That's> good. <laughs> but it's like there's this do not fear, only believe, this fear not command that really brought you to a place of being anchored and then to see Peter overcome the first cancer mm-hmm. And really believe, I'm sure, as a family that mm-hmm. there's victory. And then shortly after, to have the second cancer be so much more aggressive mm-hmm. and to bring him to a place of his last breath, mm-hmm. August 28th. And yet, in the times that he had before August 28th, and this meant a lot to me when you shared it with me over the phone the first time that we connected about a month ago, I really loved not only God using you to give the book, Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful book, but then for Peter to take the time Mm -hmm. to walk the kids through the chapters and through the dialogue and through the conversations and to really begin to process so much in those moments, I can only imagine, but to really process through an understanding that, as I said over the phone earlier this week, So many times I get this wrong, and this is not the proper kingdom perspective. 
we are to truly every single day seek first his kingdom, every single day seek first the things that are righteous, and all the things of the world will be added unto us. And Stephen Covey would say, begin with the end in mind, Mm -hmm. that when we truly posture ourselves and we have that mindset and we really have that vantage point to view and say, okay, Lord, what are the kingdom things that are most important today? And what are the promises you have made to me and the promises that I can hold on to Mm -hmm. that really give me an anchor of hope, Mm -hmm. that give me an anchor that strengthens my faith, that give me an anchor that is immovable Mm -hmm. because you're immovable and your promises always come to fruition. So I think that time that Peter spent with your beautiful children and modeled that I think it was a paradigm shift for you. I think it was a paradigm shift for your two daughters and your son to really have these moments to say, you know what, we are going to start every day and to begin this day with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. So it's like he set in motion legacy mm-hmm. and really beginning to know that when you look at the tombstone, there's the day we were born, mm-hmm. there's the day that we die, mm-hmm. but the most in the day that he died was August 28th. But the most important part of that tombstone is the dash. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that we all have in common mm-hmm. is our dash right now. Yep. And if you're listening to this and you have breath in your lungs, there's a dash. And it's really asking yourself, how am I living with the kingdom end in mind? And am I truly anchoring myself to the hope and the promises that God's given me mm-hmm. that will allow me to stand upon the rock regardless of how massive the storm, like what you just shared, mm-hmm. we face. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this. And I think from this, obviously, you mentioned it. I don't know if you want to elaborate your pain, what it, what you did with it, the comfort. Do you want to spend a little bit more time on that? You mentioned the pain, I know, a little bit. You know, um, as far as the pain, it, it really, I I once wrote something. I wrote a letter because it felt like um, it felt like a companion. It felt like... It felt like for a season in my life, it was there were it was like I sort of embodied it as a, as a person, pain and suffering, and and when you first begin this journey, they spend a lot of time with you. You don't invite them in; mm. they don't knock; mm. they just show up, and they're right there with you. And you can sit with them and allow them to wash over you. You can allow your broken heart to do what it needs to do, and that is to grieve. Um, and I I did that. I didn't run away from it. I mean, there'd be times I remember being in fries and something triggered and I just started bawling. And I remember just, I just didn't move. I just let it sit with me because I, I do know that that it does something to your heart, especially when you allow your, your heart to feel it, you know, God says he's near to the brokenhearted and you never feel that as closely as you do when you are so broken and you are in that moment. But the the beautiful piece of that is that it doesn't stay. It doesn't last forever. It, it, it can wash through you. And it felt like the visits were very often daily. In fact, I, I will never forget, you know, I'm a worship leader and um, obviously, I took some time and wasn't leading worship, but I was at church and 
And I kind of say that it's the season I lost my voice. I couldn't, I couldn't sing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk. The only thing I can do, and I remember just doing it, and it was my form of worship during that time, was I would just close my eyes and I had my hands. My hands were sort of the way I could communicate, and I would just lift my my hands, and tears would fall. And it was like, Lord, this is my offering. This is all I've got. I can't even sing anything. I can't open my mouth, but I can lift my hands and I can trust you and I can know that you're good and I can still worship you even though my heart is broken and devastated. And that occurred for what felt like a season of months. But what happens is it's as if, um, you know, the visits come less and less and your heart begins to heal. And there is always, and, and I've I've really purposefully always remained, uh, had a place at our table in our home for Peter and his memory. And my children know as much as they can about his life. Um, There is honor. There is remembrance. There is celebration of him. There are times of of weeping. Um, but, But we've continued to move forward. And God has filled gaps. God has has met us in places, met my children because I knew they were going to go through some things. I, and, and even into their adult years, they're still, you know, working things through. It, it, it's, it's a process. It's a lifetime process, you know, and every once in a while, pain will still show up. And I will just sit with her, drink coffee, allow it to sit and feel it, and, and, then, and then let Lord, the Lord do whatever he wants to do with my heart in and through it if that makes sense at all. It does make sense, so much sense. And I think God uses pain as a megaphone to arouse the deaf hearts and the deaf ears to really draw us in and really speak Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe we didn't hear it before. Mm -hmm. And yet, I think in the time that we have left, because everybody hearing this right now understands that you first-handedly know brokenness and first-handedly know grief Mm -hmm. and have walked through a massive storm. So I want to give you an opportunity to encourage the listeners. You've said this several times, not only today, but over the course of the times that we've had over the phone, to really just remind the listeners of God's goodness and his faithfulness Mm -hmm irregardless of where they are right now, irregardless of what storm or season of life they're in right now, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to just encourage the listeners Mm -hmm. to really lean into God's faithfulness, lean into Mm -hmm. God's goodness, Mm -hmm. and just hear your heart in those two beautiful promises and words Mm -hmm. that describe God. Well, um, it, it it really is the theme of my life, his goodness and his great, uh, his faithfulness. Um, I have watched, as I said, him fill the gaps. I mean, even beginning with, with me as a, as a widow, um, in between cancer one and cancer two, you know, I was always that mom with the camera taking pictures and taking pictures. And, um, I had a little high school senior ask me to do her pictures. And I remember thinking, okay, I'll do them um, fast so that if I mess them up, we can find someone that knows what they're doing. Little did I know that that was going to become my career for the next 13 years, a way to provide for my children, not only a way to provide for them, but a way to be at every practice, every game, every band event. 
I had complete control of my schedule. The Lord brought me an amazing friend, an angel who had just also lost her husband, who helped me grow my business, knew some of the right people to connect me to. Um, His hand is steady in that he fills and provides. Like when the Lord says, I am father to the fatherless and protector of the widows. I know that was my personal promise that God not only provided for me, he um, gave me means. He gave me a career to focus on. He gave me the ability to, um, you know, handle my schedule, to be with my kids. They didn't um, have to, you know, um, miss out on their mom being there. And I'm grateful for that opportunity. His graciousness extends into every area, emotionally, financially, spiritually, and it's overwhelming, but it is completely true that it will chase you. It will chase you like God's goodness runs over goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Those promises are true no matter where you're at. I love it. Patty P. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm going to leave you with this beautiful promise that was made by Jesus in Mark 5. Do not fear, only believe. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.